0: Welcome to the Fit Money Podcast, where we'll discuss something we all need through our entire life, financial literacy, but also asking the tough question, why aren't students learning it? Financial literacy is more than the math and a behavior we'll need beyond the classroom. So we're learning how we can help students families, and teachers build a new generation of financially fit students everywhere. On today's episode, Fit Money External Relations Manager, Jacob Wittenberg is joined by Michael Obesina, an options and education manager at Robinhood Markets. Today, Jacob and Michael are leading a conversation on what educators, caregivers, and students themselves should know when it comes to investing. Together, they discuss the misconceptions How we can sift through our social media feeds investment advice, how time is certainly an investor's best friend, and how you can meet your own investment goals, even as budgeting gets tougher for families all over the country.
1: Thrilled to be welcoming our guest from Robinhood Markets, Inc. Michael, welcome to the Fit Money Podcast.
2: Thank you, Jacob. Pleasure to be here.
1: I am really looking forward to hearing your answers today, not only for the benefit of everybody listening, but because myself, um, has a lot of questions but I feel like the obvious place for us to start is just tell me about your time at Robinhood and kind of how your own perspective on investing
2: has just evolved throughout your time and what you've learned yeah um you know I've been at Robinhood now it'll be three years next month um, that that time has certainly flown by uh, I've been in the brokerage industry since 2007 so Uh, I've seen a lot, uh, I've experienced a lot in the markets in that time. Um, And I would say, you know, the first thing that struck me coming to Robinhood was the difference in our client base, right? Uh, The average Robinhood customer tends to be a little bit younger than traditional brokerage firms. And and my previous firms, you know, our, our average customer was much older you know, in their 50s or 60s, and, and they had been in the market some time. It was funny because we spent a lot of our time educating our customers on how to use the technology, where they had a little bit more of a foundation uh, in place in their financial lives, where at Robinhood, it's almost the opposite. Our, our customers are super tech savvy. You know, these are this is a generation that grew up with mobile and social media and the ability to kind of do things that parents and grandparents still haven't figured out. And so the education has shifted much more to those core market concepts and investing and trading concepts that, um, you know, as they enter the markets and start their financial future, um, that to me was the the biggest change in how we went about uh, with with the education strategy and the stuff we do at Robinhood. So, uh, And the second thing I would say is this generation is super passionate about investing and growing their money. Uh, where in the past, you know, you almost have to convince people to get into the market here. it's We have this influx of new investors that, that Robinhood has, you know, through their mission of democratizing finance for all, has opened the doors to, uh, you know, a series and, and group of investors that traditionally have been shut out of the markets.
1: I feel like when people are downloading maybe your app and signing up with you for the first time, they're kind of coming in with maybe a little bit of knowledge already in their back pocket. And I would guess a lot of that is because it has something to do with the conversation that we hear online. And there's so much accessibility to, I think Finfluencers is a term that I've been hearing a lot recently. And I definitely want to get into that a little bit more in a while, but I want to hear from you of what is the largest misconception that we have? And maybe you hear most frequently about somebody who's getting started or even has, has been investing with you for some time.
2: Yeah, I would break this down into to three things that kinda are, are one general misconception and, and that it's that it's not for me. You know, that thought of, you know, investing the markets uh, have sort of been um, you know a domain of the the wealthy and well connected and that you know people that want to get involved in the markets has have traditionally kind of been shut out for one reason or another. Um, That's the first thing is that the markets today are more accessible than they've ever been in probably the history of markets. And, you know, I think with Robinhood, the the way that we have both encouraged and developed just very simple and easy to use uh, application that allows people to make their first investment and get started, um, those barriers from whether it's cost, you know, being the the first uh, zero commission broker. Uh, breaking that paradigm and, and kind of, you know, um, getting the the other the brokerage houses on board with that, like that was a game changer. Um, and so those barriers that you may think are in the way probably aren't when you actually look at it. Uh, the second thing is, you know, that markets and trading and investing is a very complex, highly mathematical skill. And, you know, if, if you don't have a, a foundation in that, that it isn't for you. Um, and I would argue against that in the fact that, you know, investing, you know, the principles of investing have been around for a while and there are very simple and easy ways to get started both safely, you know, Robin Hood, we're, we're a safety first company. And so a lot of the things we build into the application are with that in mind. But, um, you know, as we talk, you know, hopefully later in the podcast here about those steps to get started. You know, it's really that just that little push of like, hey, you know, the best time to start something was yesterday. Well, if you haven't, then you know, get get you know, getting going today is is that next best time. And I just think all of those misconceptions that it's not for me, it's complex, or it's too costly. I think all of those have just kind of you know have gone to the wayside.
1: I feel like every single time that I'm lucky enough to be engaged with somebody within the Fit Money community, and especially younger students themselves. This is the topic that comes up the most. It's partially because it's what they hear about a lot, but I would, I would even argue is, is something that there's, has the largest deficit between maybe their knowledge and what they think they should know and maybe what they, what they should know heading in. And I really love everything you just said about it doesn't have to be maybe as complicated as we once thought. It's really about accessibility and democratizing it. Um, how do we sift through all of that noise? Because you, I feel like you can't scroll on Instagram or a TikTok just like all of these young investors are doing now without seeing input from not only so many different people, but from so many different angles. Is there even a right way? And what should those people absorbing all of that data know for themselves, just almost like checklist of this means I'm ready to invest?
2: Oh, so I think we could do an entire podcast on that one question. Um, <laughs> sure, because, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's something I've seen. Like, like I, when I started in the industry, this whole infrastructure of content and social media was just getting started, and now I think it's reached a point where it's so ubiquitous that it's almost a disservice, where you know you don't know what to believe in or you don't know who to follow or if what someone is saying in a video or a post is you know true and, and accurate. The first thing I'll say is if you're getting education from Robinhood, for example, everything we write, everything we create has to be approved by our compliance teams. And we as a, a regulated broker dealer, everything we say to the public has to follow certain guidelines, you know, based on what our, our regulators say and what the rules are. Um, when you're looking at Social media influencers, videos that you see on YouTube, while some of them can be very good, and trust me, there are a lot of great videos out there, um, they don't go through that same rigor. right? They don't have that same quality of assurance that a broker-dealer like Robinhood has to do when we put a public communication out. So that's, that's number one. It's just that bar of quality is naturally just going to be lower because those checks and balances aren't in place. Um, but like I said, there are some great channels and content out there that you can learn a lot from. But the second thing I would say is, you know, when assessing the quality of what you're reading or watching, always have in the back of your mind, you know, there's an old trader expression. Uh, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, and so when you're watching stuff or reading and the content or what the person is saying just seems too good to be true or hey, do this and this is going to make you a bunch of money and so on and so forth. Those are the red flags you should be putting in your head because at the end of the day, you know, investing, you know, if, if you have a good plan and you have a good process over time, you know, the, the foundational mechanics of investing are rather simple. What is hard is when the market does its thing and you have to adjust and, and, and adapt. And those are the moments where, you know, a solid financial pro- professional or you know content that you might get from a regulated entity like us can really help you through those moments um whereas this space now is is i think grown into and and this is not just our space right this is whether it's fitness and diet or you know health and well-being there's there's content creators everywhere trying to take you know advantage of this so just be right. careful and and just always ask yourself what is the motivation of the person you're listening to? Like, what what is truly, why are they doing this content? Is it for you or is it for them to gain a following and then, you know, make money through their their channels and subscribers?
1: I feel like one of the biggest messages that was emphasized to me, especially early on, was investing is not for the short-term thinking. It's something that you should be thinking about more long-term. If you need this money next week, you maybe don't want to throw it into a portfolio of any kind. How true is that? And do you find that that can be a harder message to sort of really emphasize because so much, especially for the younger generation, is based on instant gratification? And a lot of that is even just the quick accessibility of education is more fulfilling because we feel like we're learning faster. Do you feel like you have to combat that and maybe work a little bit harder, really emphasize that messaging that maybe we just sometimes don't even want to hear?
2: You know, it's funny you use that term because on my notes preparing for this, uh, I wrote, you know, a a little bullet point, you know, forego short-term gratification for long-term, you know, potential security. We have an expression, uh, this is one of those kind of uh, things you'll read at the bottom of every uh, sort of financial message, like past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Um, That is 1000% true. But if we look at history, right, we know... Um, you know, the S&P 500 over time has gone up, right? And if you had stayed invested through even some of the worst periods of, uh, you know, the, of recent history, whether it was the great financial crisis or, you know, going back to my days, the, the dot-com bubble or, you know, people I learned from that were, you know, trading during 1987 when the market had a big crash, like those moments cause a lot of panic and a lot of fear but having a good, solid plan and understanding the longer-term picture allows you to potentially take advantage of those situations. Um, but more importantly, you know, time is your friend as an investor. And you know, as as you think about the long term of, okay, how do I grow my money? Whether it's for, you know, college uh, college tuition or paying for a down payment on a house or retirement, right? Time is your friend in that exercise, and you know the ability to sort of say, "Hey, I'm going to pay myself first with you know budgeting my money and making sure that some of that money that I get from my paycheck or, or sources of income are dedicated to paying my long term self." That's a conversation that's hard to have these days, where everything is so instant gratification,
1: and especially these days too. I I think it's so important that we emphasize in conversation around investing too that it feels like these days things feel more expensive saving for college feels more expensive we're told we have to save for emergencies and we're hearing all this additional advice and i guess i'm really thinking about the families that are listening and feel this growing pressure. And as we're talking about, you know, investing doesn't have to be as intimidating as it maybe it once was. And we want to make it easier and more accessible along with the education around it. It feels like we're suggesting a little bit of priority in it as well. And I agree it's important. And I, I love the message of time being your friend. Why is it important that we be sensitive around these kind of issues and to kind of the folks who are like, I already have enough. Like my budget is full, and now I'm supposed to invest. Like, what is the like verbal like pat on the back? Like it's going to be okay that we can we can give people now to comfort them more about um, adding this into their larger budget.
2: You know, I, I mentioned it a few minutes ago, but something I learned when I was starting. You know, I fortunately, you know, my my degrees in accounting and finance, so I was given that initial introduction through formal schooling where a lot of people aren't right and so every kind of investor education site probably has one of these where it's like hey if you put in this much money today and it grows at a certain you know compounded annual rate over 40 years here's what it will become right potentially right and obviously you know past performance not a guarantee of future results but you know i think warren buffett's quote on this is something like uh compound interest is like the greatest miracle of, I'm I'm paraphrasing, I'm probably kind of butchering the quote, but understanding how that mechanism works so that if you pay yourself today, uh, it could become, you know, X amount more when you're ready to put down a down payment on a house or retire. And that's really, you know, this is a, this is a crisis in our country. The retirement, you know, our, our generation is going to be able to retire comfortably as You know, there's questions around Social Security and, you know, all of the, you know, rising inflation. So if you just put aside some money every month and don't invest it and and take part in some of those compounded gains over time, potentially, uh, you're going to have a retirement nest egg that just isn't going to cut it. So, the families out there, like budgeting is hard. Like there's no doubt about that. But if you pay yourself first, you know, then after that money is set aside, then you can create a budget you can execute that budget on a, on a weekly, daily, monthly basis. Um, but, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you just got to let time work for you.
1: I, I appreciate that, that sort of sentiment too, of, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be a lot today to mean a lot in however many years it's, and it's kind of just like general financial literacy of it's, it's not just the math. It's not about your spreadsheet. Always. You don't need to always get out a calculator. It's always about just building that small like habit so it feels more natural and comfortable to you. So even if it's just a little bit now and maybe a little bit every month, just to get into that routine and feel more like this is part of something that you can can do, then once you're ready to maybe contribute a little bit more, then you're like, oh, I already know how to do this. I know exactly what I'm doing. I feel comfortable, et cetera, all those things. I think that's a really important sentiment to just emphasize.
2: Yeah, and if I could just add one more thing to your point, creating an automatic approach to this, almost like a mindless approach where you don't have to physically be doing the work. And what I mean by that, so, so at Robinhood, we launched a couple features in, in the recent past that help this, this behavior, right? The first thing is a recurring deposit. So even if you're taking a very small portion of your budget um, you can have that set up to automatically deposit into your Robinhood account. Uh, the second thing is if you're having trouble getting started, we have this really cool product the first time you're in the app called First First Trade Recommendations, where you can answer a, a, a small set of questions about your risk tolerance, what your goals are. And we have some really, really smart people on this team that have built uh, essentially a, a, s- a selection of ETFs that can get you started. And these aren't, very complex ETFs. These are your standard sort of broad-based market index ETFs, uh, some based around bonds. And you can sort of create that traditional 60-40, 70-30, 80-20 type portfolio. Uh, and because the, the third thing that we, we sort of help usher into the space here is uh, fractional shares, right? So even if you have a very small amount of money and you want to buy a, a, a fraction of a share of an in- index ETF or a stock that you like, um, you can do that. And so just that habit of getting started, creating a routine through technology that sort of automatically lets that happen. And then from there, it's just about, it's like a, a chef that's got something in the oven. You're just checking on it yeah. every now and then to make sure it's cooking right uh, and making adjustments along the way. Yeah,
1: I love a metaphor always. That's amazing. <laughs> I feel like there might be a few listeners who, you know, you're mentioning ETFs and and other sort of acronyms. And for the folks who are like, whoa, this already sounds like maybe something I don't, I don't know. And I especially want to make sure we emphasize teachers and caregivers who are acting as teachers and educating uh, kids about financial literacy are really pioneering and moving forward the entire movement of financial education. What would you say to an educator to about like, who's like, I just don't even know if I'm qualified. Like, I want to share this and I want to make the next generation feel like this is something that's so accessible and comfortable and they look forward to. But I just don't know if I'm qualified to teach that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's something, sadly, you know, in the education system, we don't talk about enough, right? Um, It's funny uh, in, in preparing for this podcast, I was thinking back to my days in high school And it's just so weird. Some of the things like I don't remember from like physics or, you know, chemistry or whatever. But I remember when my consumer education teacher taught me how to balance a checkbook or he explained to me about, you know, credit card rates and debts. And it's like some of those things stuck with me so well. So first thing I'd say is, you know, if you're going to be teaching these basic, you know, market investing financial type concepts, there's so many great resources available to help teachers get started. And, you know, the basic stuff, like I said, I, I think going back to our first question, the idea that everything's so complex and complicated, you know, I would challenge that in the sense that, you know, markets have been around for a while and investing theory and investing principles are, are pretty well tried, true and tested at this point of, of we kind of know, you know, what the, the sort of good habits are. Uh, to get going and some of the things to look out for from a risk standpoint. But as a teacher, just getting students excited about the concepts of money and, and the market and finance is like, that to me is a win. Just, just that. And then from there, I, you know, I think there's so many people out there that would be willing to kind of come back and pay it forward and be a guest speaker, or there's content that can be leveraged, um, you know, in the classroom. And so, Um, I just, I just think, you know, once again, that fear of getting started, I think we got to overcome that and just take that first step and, and kind of just get the conversation going.
1: Yeah. So much of that is, is community. I want to end our conversation here with kind of, kind of a two-part question. I really want to know if you could just with the snap of your fingers, make one thing more universally understood about investing. Like, genie in a bottle, whatever, like if you could just make the wish right now that everybody just knew, what what would you say?
2: I hope this isn't a boring one, but I think it's very <laughs> important. And it may be targeted a little bit more towards maybe that that 21, 22 year old person that's starting to get involved in the markets. Maybe they're they're putting together their first stock portfolio, or maybe they've even kind of dipped their toe in the water of doing some some more active type strategies. My biggest piece of advice here is the best investors, the best traders are also the best risk managers. And what I mean by that is they don't approach the market or investing with the idea of how much they can make. They always think where's my risk? Where's what what am I not seeing? And then how much can I lose? And that's that's sort of a tough conversation to have to a new investor because they're excited and as we mentioned earlier about social media, there's a lot of that sort of fear of missing out. But at the end of the day, uh, being a great risk manager allows you to hopefully become a successful investor. And that could be things as simple as, you know, doing your homework on the strategy you're trying to use or the company that you're interested in buying shares in or how you want to build your, you know, portfolio as you become an investor. Uh, Whether that's through diversification or making sure you understand uh, if you're trading an ETF or a mutual fund or something that is a more complicated investment than just saying buying shares of, you know, XYZ stock.
1: I think that's such a good takeaway. One of my favorite questions to ask people who are experts in their field is we've talked 20, 25 minutes now. Everyone listening has spent their time with us. They've learned something new. Hopefully their shoulders are a little bit more relaxed about investing now. If they have another 25 minutes, maybe even five minutes, or maybe they're about to take their lunch break or they got to work 10 minutes early, if they have a small window of time right now, what's something that they can do
2: in that time to move forward their investing journey? At the very least, just engage with, the markets and that doesn't mean you have to be buying or selling or investing or trading put on a news source listen to financial news read listen to financial podcasts like this um, talk to friends make it a part of your daily conversation and the more you talk about the markets uh, and financial you know news and business hopefully it becomes something that you get excited about and interested in be uh be curious is my takeaway uh, and any everything you do around this—if you're not curious about it, you're not going to get excited. But uh, that's the bug that hit me when I was younger, and and that's kind of what led me to where I am in my career this uh, today. So, um, if you're curious about the markets, I think that's that's a win for everyone.
1: Michael, I can't thank you enough for your time today. I am so appreciative of all the work that you are doing and Robin Hood's doing to really just break down that barrier to entry with investing, just not only within my work with Fit Money, but just as a young adult myself. I think it's so important. And that, like, yeah, invest money now for 50 years in the future. That message is just is hitting closer and closer to home. And I think it's the result of the work that you're doing. And I'm I'm really, really grateful for that. And, you know, thank you for you and Robin Hood's collaboration with Fit Money always. I really hope this episode was beneficial to everybody listening because uh, I know I did. I learned a lot from you. So thank
2: you. And thank you for having me. And, you know, if, if you want to kind of extend on that curiosity, you know, we have a great site. It's called Robin Hood Learn. Uh, the, the website's learn.robinhood.com. Uh, you don't have to be a, an account holder to see it. It's a public website. And it's filled with uh, something like 900 different articles about different financial terms, concepts around investing and trading. So even if you uh, aren't ready to make that jump uh, into the investing or trading space, head over to learn and just, you know, learn, literally learn. So um, that's that's my only shout out for, for uh, <laughs> something to do after this.
1: There's no better day to get started than today.
2: I agree. Thank you again, Michael. Appreciate the time. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jacob.
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Fit Money Podcast. Whether you are a caregiver, teacher, or student, there's plenty of great K-12 through resources to begin or continue your financial literacy journey at fitmoney.org. Visit the show notes for more from today's guests and financial literacy activities for the classroom, home, or on the go. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy learning, earning, and saving.
1: FitMoney and Robinhood are separate and unaffiliated and are not responsible for one another's policies, services, or opinions.
0: The FitMoney podcast is presented by FitMoney, the leading K-12 financial literacy curriculum, providing free, unbiased financial literacy resources. All opinions, products, and references during the show are not endorsed by FitMoney and are solely opinions of the individual. FitMoney does not claim any responsibility for external resources referenced during the episode. All Fit Money products and episodes are provided for educational purposes and are not professional advice.